Upon my word, just see how mortal men always put the blame on us gods. We are the source of evil, so they say, when they have only their own madness to think if their miseries are worse than they ought to be. The Iliad. It was ideas such as this made the Greeks and their myths memorable for thousands of years after a classical age. That's right. It's time to talk about chapter 8. It's all Greek to me. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, everybody. Welcome back to How to Read Literature Like at Night. I'll be your host, Dylan Schickel. And I'll be your co-host, Sarah Richards, as we dive into Thomas C. Foster's book, How to Read Literature Like a Professor. Now, one thing that I noticed right off the bat with the chapter is him hammering home the importance of myth, which makes sense. Well, yeah, when you think about it, we borrow a lot of our culture and ideas from the ancient Greeks. They are more or less the foundation for Western literature. Exactly. Now, one major part of popular culture is the Greek story of Prometheus and Epimetheus. These were the dudes who, according to the Greeks, made all the animals in the world and created mankind, but, but just mankind. Yeah, these two titans were the ones tasked by Zeus to create the animals and the ones who would roll over the animals, mankind. However, Epimetheus, whose name means after fall or hindsight, ran out and gave all the animals their own wild gifts, like sharp claws, shells, and wings, leaving nothing to the humans. Prometheus would end up giving mankind the ability to use logic and steal fire from Zeus to give to mankind. But just mankind. Exactly, just mankind. Zeus would craft the first woman, Pandora, to bring about the downfall of man. Same. Same. Yep, and we obviously see a lot of those pieces to this day. We have Prometheus bring a rebel to the gods. And we also have Pandora, something that many of our listeners have heard of before, as well as the symbol of fire being bestowed upon mankind by a higher being, Prometheus. We have works like Frankenstein, the doctor of which is referred to as modern-day Prometheus because he gives life to this inanimate being and lost everything because of it. Exactly, and even though Foster never mentioned it in his book, Whenever he was talking about the Greek culture icons that we still see today, the the movie 300 kept popping up in my head. Oh, no. No, 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 not the more awful bits from the movie, but more about the fact that the Battle of Thermopylae is still in our minds to this day, and we still continue to make movies and tell stories about a battle that was, for a while, completely forgotten about, even by the Greeks, because of how negligible the battle meant for their war with Persia. I'm sure he didn't mean that Greek myth was only popular in books and poems. Other genres borrow a lot from the ancient Greeks. Well, I personally am going to assume that King Xerxes wasn't actually an effeminate, half-naked bald dude. Have you ever seen the movie Atlantis Lost Empire? Yes, I love that movie. Perfect. One of the big reasons for us referring to Atlantis is this amazing utopian city state is partly due to Plato's story, The Republic. Plato uses Atlantis to talk about his dream of an ideal nation and society. It's also where we get the idea of the philosopher king from, because that's the one who rules Atlantis, and also about how the gods would grant forgiveness to those humans who made ample religious sacrifice. Speaking of gods, we need to delve into the Iliad. If any of the dear listeners at home wish to read How Do We Literature Like a Professor, I would highly recommend looking into the Iliad, because Foster talks about the Iliad a lot, and not just in the Greek chapter. Right, but since he mainly talks about it in this chapter, we definitely have to go over it. 
So apparently the Iliad was originally an oral story, so that meant that there were these guys in ancient Greece whose sole purpose was memorizing the entire story and the hundreds of named characters that appeared in the book, the setting, the plot, all of it, which is absolutely disgusting to think about. Okay, well more important than that, the Iliad goes into detail in its birth of multiple ideas that we see in literature. Ideas about like, no one can change fate, glory can be earned in battle, pride is a central part of human emotion, respect is earned through accomplishments. No, I haven't heard of any of them. All of these and more are discussed heavily in the book, and these themes are still in use today, partly because of the influence that the Iliad played in Greek society. The Iliad is such an important piece of literature that Homer would end up writing a sequel shortly after it, and the Romans would make a piece that's supposed to complete a trilogy, but no one really recognizes it because of how different it is. Um, the dear viewers can look up Aeneid, 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 I do this every time, Aeneid, hmm. Aeneid, I found it, if they want it, if they want to, but it was so influenced by Roman culture that it doesn't really showcase the Greek myth that much. But with that in mind, the Roman author who, would, who made that piece, Virgil, he ends up being a major character in Dante's Inferno. He's the guy that kind of shows Dante around the place, and when they go into the first level of hell, Purgatory, they end up meeting the guy that wrote, um, that wrote the Iliad, Homer. And I think that's pretty interesting. It kind of all goes back together. Not really. Shakespeare would also make a play called Troilus and Cressida that uses the Iliad as its source material, and there is currently a statue in New York that shows Thetis as she brought Achilles' new armor. Well, you can see its influence pretty much everywhere. Anytime you've heard of Achilles, it's because of the Iliad and simple phrase to Achilles heel. And someone's weak spot is also attributed to this book. There's good reason for why Foster goes over it so much in his book. Yep. Thank you everyone for listening in. I have been your host, Dylan Schickel. And I've been your co-host, Sarah Richards. And join in next time when Ezekiel Hutchinson, Hannah Farr, Bronson Harper, and Matthew Landis go over Chapter 10, Never Stand Next to the Hero. I'm sure that'll be interesting. Take care.